coast and throws it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up three pointer. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Today we are going into another deep dive into the Western Conference. We got a handful of teams here. We're going to crush this. We're not going to go too long into it. We're, we're going to try and stay on time this time. We're trying to get better at that. So I'm not going to delay any further. You know who I want to talk about, Ronan. We want to talk about my guy, Luca. We want to talk about the Dallas Mavericks. What do you got for them this season? How are you feeling? Are you hyped about this team? Absolutely. I mean... Just, just all you have to do is look at Luka Doncic. I mean, guy's 21. He was All-NBA first team last year. He was averaging near 30 points along with averaging a near triple-double. I mean, this guy is just ready and waiting to take over the NBA. He, he has everything you need in a leader, and I think the fact that they were able to get to the playoffs last year, of course, it didn't work out too well. They kind of... They showed their naivety a lot in, in that playoff series with, with the Clippers, but that experience is going to stand to them and it's really going to help them push on now, uh, looking ahead into uh, 2020 and 2021. So first thing I got to say about the Mavericks is, unfortunately, the Giannis pipe dream is over. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was probably tough for all these, all these uh, Mavs fans waiting, watching, hoping that Giannis would decline that Supermax and maybe they'd have their super team next year. But what I got to say, man, is when you dive into this team, they have a lot of pieces. They may not have a lot of stars because I don't think that KP is there yet. And, you know, we're still waiting for him to get back on the court, suspected that he might come back sometime in January. So they might not have a second star around Luka Doncic, when you see how this team is constructed, I mean, this team is perfectly made for Luca to not only excel how he's been excelling, but take that next step. Um, I want to go into a few guys here. Um, the two additions that I think are absolutely huge. We talked about them briefly before, but Josh Richardson, James Johnson. And again, we're not talking about huge star additions here, but I'm going to tell you, these guys are going to have a massive impact on this Mavs team defense and off ball shooting a little bit of playmaking from Josh Richardson. I, these guys are going to be really, I think the, the coagulating factor for this team to become a top four, top five seed even. Yeah, no, uh, Richardson's definitely the big one. I mean, he's such a, such a strong perimeter defender and that really covers Lucas. Uh, it really helps him out a great deal. It's something that he needs. Like, you know, you always kind of look in the modern NBA, 
when you have two stars, you're always kind of like, okay, where's the third guy going to come from? That's just the way it seems to be going now in, in basketball. But I think the moves that that, that the Mavericks made, obviously in a, in a tough offseason to really make any sort of big moves, I think they were really, really clever. And I really I really like the move for Josh Josh Richardson. I think they, they're going to come out uh, on the right side of that deal. Uh, and I think he can really help, uh, help Luca just be able to be that bit more relaxed and that bit more focused. Not that he, not that he was ever really distracted from being an offensive superstar, but knowing that he's got that cover and Josh Richardson on the defensive end is definitely, is definitely going to have a big impact on Luca's season. And I mean, Hey, the sky's the limit for, for young Luca, and this is only going to help him. And for a second here, let's talk about Josh Richardson and they got him on such a steal of a deal I mean, Seth Curry. Let, let's not let's not underplay how well he played last year. I mean, he is one of the league's best three point shooters. He's a top five shooter in this league right now. But Josh Richardson, man, his value really, really sunk. And coming off of the year he had with the Heat back in 2018, 19, I mean, this guy was on the rise. When he got to the 76ers, I mean, that that was just not the best situation for him, and he was trying to. I think do a bit too much. They were expecting a little bit too much from him there. And to have him come back to a role where he is going to be um, playing off the ball and he's going to be one of the best, I think, three, uh, three point shooter, three and D shooters this year. He's really going to show you what he had back on the heat. And same thing for James. Shot. They picked up a couple of X heat players who really were very impactful um, three and D guys. I mean, both, both of them are almost, 40% shooters. James Johnson is a 37% three-point shooter. And I mean, dude, he's got the best nickname in the league. They call him Bloodsport for a reason. This guy's 6'9, <laughs> 7'1 wingspan, undefeated in every UFC fight he's ever been in. I, I don't actually, I don't even know of another of another professional athlete who's also an MMA player. That in itself has to be some sort of some sort of feat. Yeah, it's def- definitely impressive. I mean, if they ever if they get into a scrap like they were they they were threatened to do against the Clippers last last season, they'll they'll, they'll have they'll have the right the right players to deal with it this year now. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus Morris would last two seconds, <laughs> two seconds. But in that series, in particular, what what was I mean? The major problem for them was like holding on to leads. Like they they just didn't have it. You you can't hold on to a league when Seth Curry is getting posted up when Tim Hardaway Jr. is getting exposed on the perimeter, they got two guys there who are going to be defensive anchors. And in that series against Clippers, you replace these guys right there, they, they win that series, hands down, with or without KP. Hmm, big, big call there. All right, well, now we've talked off-season moves. What do you think? Who, who, who are the key players to watch for this Mavs team uh, looking ahead to, to, to the new season? So I think that, I mean, the obvious answer here is Kristaps. You know, he is just this bundle of potential that we've been waiting, waiting, waiting to see it, like, bloom into this superstar player, but it hasn't come around yet. I mean, that's the obvious answer, and we know that if he can take that step, then yes, they they are a legit contender. They, they are legitimately Doncic, KP, Rick Carlisle and this deep team that that's a championship contender, but you know, it's, it's tough to really buy into that given just all the injuries he's had 
and he just hasn't proven he can be healthy. I mean, he hasn't even played 70 games in season. He's, he's played on average like 50 some games a season, not to mention the whole entire 2018, 19 season he missed. So I'm not sure if that's the guy I want to rely on, but these rotation guys, I mean, they're, they're legit. And this is a, we're talking deep dive here. Dorian Finney-Smith. I'm a big, big Dorian Finney-Smith guy. I'm, I'm buying big into him. And we're, we're talking about these wings that the Mavs have. This guy's a 6'8", 6'11", wingspan. I mean, you, you can deploy units out here for the Mavs that stretch 35 feet. I mean, they're, they're, they're literally as long as a telephone pole. This, this, this squad can defend every position. They can play positionless basketball. And Dorian Finney-Smith is one of these guys who, I mean, he's going to be not just this energetic defender, rebounder, but last year he's coming up for career year shooting 38% from three. Everyone on the team can shoot. When you got Luca who can throw every pass imaginable, that's going to be huge. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think I, I look back at, at Porzingis and of course former Knicks. I'm still still a little bit angry at him for for one for for leaving. But I mean, the biggest thing for him, of course, is staying healthy. But when I picture him as a healthy player, I'm looking at I want him showing all defensive capabilities. I want him to be that scoring phenom. And at the end of the day, just want him being consistent and. Be be the pippy pippin to uh, to Lucas Jordan. That's that's how I would see uh, Porzingis' future if he can stay healthy. Of course, it is a massive if. And after this season, we'll see what he's like when he comes back from injury. But if he is struggling to remain fit after that, I think maybe Dallas might just have to look at moving him on next off season. That that could be. They've given him the chance to, to prove that he can stay healthy, and if he can't, if he can't step up. I mean, this this Dallas team, they're trying to build to be a championship contender for the next few years, and they can't do that if one of their stars is out injured for half the season. Yeah, that's and that's a big thing for me too. Not just his health, but how is his game going to come together if he is healthy? And I'm sure you intimately know his game watching him in the in a Knicks uniform one thing he still hasn't done yet is been able to be a dominant post player and especially for a team that wants to get deep in the playoffs you need to have someone who can isolate down in the post and really play inside out when the game slows down I mean Luca can do that and when he switches on to smaller guards that's something I can do but for your 7-3 center he needs to be able to post up and that's still surprisingly something he just hasn't been able to do so i'm doubtful that will be added and i'm i'm not really sure what his path is to getting better right now yeah it's definitely gonna be one to watch and that's that's definitely the the job for rick carlisle and his staff to to really get the best out of uh get the best out of christas porzingis in terms of movements coming into this season you thinking there's any possibilities of Dallas looking at any trades oh yeah I I think they're going to be very active this year and I think that's the benefit of being a deep team so I mean Dwight Powell Maxi Kleber they're number one on their fit on this team with Luca is amazing I mean you got the one-two punch of power and finesse Kleber fits the exact type of mold that you want in your power forward, stretching 
the floor. You're shooting 30, 37% from three last year. And Powell was actually fourth in true shooting last year. So you got two guys who are legitimate rotation guys who not only are going to contribute to you on the floor, but they can provide a pretty good uh, trade piece. I don't know if, if, if they're going to make a big splash here, but combining that with someone like Tim Hardaway Jr., whose salary is, is up there, I think he's around 20 million or so. Um, so combine that with him, who's last year totally underrated. I mean, he didn't get any shine last year and he was shooting 42% from three. He was one of the best three-point shooters last year. And I mean, in this league, that is what it's all about. You get guys that shoot. And he's also a huge, huge, huge leader to this Mavs team. And any team who sees that, I mean, that's value in and of itself. So they have the pieces, they have the salary to move. And I don't think they're going to move on from KP just yet. They need to see what he ends up becoming. But when you got a guy like Luca, you don't wait. You don't risk. You don't risk losing the time that you have with him. They're going to make any move possible. They're going to be very, very aggressive, I think. Yeah, I think that's part of the way the way that they have to be, really. Um, I'm sure that's what Luca wants to see. I mean, I don't think he's he's going to get into that whole mindset of having the having full control over the team just yet, but I think he's definitely going to keep his eye on what's going on, and if he sees a move to be made and it's not being made, I'm sure he'll be willing. He'll be he'll be willing to 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 let the uh, the front office know uh, know know his feelings. Um, win total for the Dallas Mavericks projected at thirty nine point nine. What do you think? Over or under? I'm smashing the over. That's an easy bet. Easy, easy bet. I'm smashing the over on that one. I, I, I see I see them definitely being a 50 win team this year. Even in the even in the shortened season. Um oh my god, that's right. So now I, I need to adjust we need to adjust our math here now. So like what what do we what do we consider the equivalent of a 50 win season? I I, I can't do that math in my head at 7 30 <laughs> in the morning here. But <laughs> realistically it's t- ten, 10 games, so would you bring that down to 40? Well, then you have to do a like, factor of 82, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's tough, tough to just call it on the head, but hey, this, this team is more than capable of, of uh, we won't, we won't say, I, I won't say 50 just because of the shortened season, but we'll say definitely up around the 45 mark in this 72 game season. I, I think they might go, they might go undefeated this year. It's very possible. Maybe that that's my that's my answer since I don't know how to do enough math to figure out what fifty <laughs> wins would equate to. So we're gonna jump on to the next one here. I told you we're gonna be disciplined. I that that's that's how we're gonna try to do it here. I want to talk about the Grizzlies. What do you think we got here for their win total? Who, who are you taking over and the under? What are they at? Uh they're at thirty six. I don't know. I I'm thinking that's crazy. I think thirty six. Yeah, 36. I think I might be going under. Yeah, I didn't want to look at it because I, I wanted to just like think about it on the spot. 36 is way too high. Yeah. Not way too high. Not, not okay, maybe not way too high, but I there's there's a lot of things that need to go right for that to happen, I think. It's just yeah, it's just the same. It's it's the fact that it's the same team. This is still a very young team with a very young coach. And yeah, they were impressive last year, but you're going to need Jamarant to take another big step in his uh, second year. 
Jackson Jr., you're going to need him to take another step. And be healthy. Which, yeah, and be healthy. Another another big uh, another big if. But we have seen Jackson show his ability to, to, to make steps as he kind of develops into the league. So if they can get him back healthy and he is capable of taking another step, yeah, maybe they could be fighting around for the around around that 36 mark, maybe. But it would have to be an unbelievable second season out of Jamarant if they want to be doing that. I I mean I'll, I'll buy into that, and I, that's the the factor here is John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. I you don't you don't see a lot of movement on this team. I don't think they're going to be patient with some of their pieces here. So when you talk about trades happening in the off, in the middle of the season, this is not going to be the team that's going to do that. This is a team that they're going to be happy if. I know the team is very competitive and wants to get to the playoffs, but if they don't, I think the Grizzlies as an organization will be happy to jump back into the lottery, especially this year with how deep the talent is in next draft in the next draft class. Um, but John Morant, we can't say enough about this guy. I can't say enough about how impressive it is to see how a 19-year-old or a 20-year-old, sorry, came into the league and dominated dominated like he didn't look like a rookie at all he knew how to run the pick and roll efficiently he knew how to get his shooters open on a team on a young team nonetheless it's not like he had a lot of veteran leadership around him he's totally the type of guy that takes control of franchise you hand him the keys and he figures it out and he said it himself he's not a point guard he's a point god this guy is going to be the best point guard in the league if not next year It'll happen soon, and he's going to be on an all-NBA team eventually. It's going to happen in the very near future. The thing is, I don't think that in his second season where most point guards, especially, and most good rookies, they kind of get figured out a little bit. I think they're going to struggle the first first part of the season because teams have had a chance to see how he plays, how all these other young guys play too. And you usually see, and I can say from some from my Bulls experience too, that a lot of these rookies, they get figured out a little bit and they, they they need to adjust after that. I'm not sure if 36 wins is the mark here. Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely going, definitely going to be going the under there. But, yeah, of course, like you said, they're, they're key players. You got Morant, Jackson Jr., and you probably have to throw Valanciunas in there as well because he, he did provide big minutes for that team. The, the kind of guy that's not really being talked about that I like is... Dylan Brooks. Dude, that guy, that guy, I don't see anyone else in the league who shoots as confidently as he does. Like, he's a good shooter, but, like, he will literally take any shot that you give him. He's got to be one of those confident shooters in the league. Yeah, no, the way the way he's shown that jump, obviously, his first season was, it was decent enough, and then, then he missed all of, the, all of the second year, and then he came back again last year, and he was shooting 36% from three doing that with all the wild shots that he does take <laughs> averaging 16, 16 points a game. I mean, if this guy is capable of taking another jump, it could be really huge for this Grizzlies team. And he's got, he's got the talent to do it. And he, he, he really, he could fit well with uh, the type of offense. Obviously the offense is obviously going to be built around Morant and, and Jackson jr. But this is a guy that could provide big minutes and be the, a key piece on both ends in the way that this Memphis team 
develops over over the next couple of years. Maybe this year might be a bit too soon, but if he can show it enough this year, he can definitely show why the the Grizzlies like him so much and that he is more than capable of being a the third piece in the in the triangle basically for the for this uh, for this Grizzlies team. That that's a super Grizzlies homer take. That's that's very deep there. Dylan Dylan Brooks third third star talk here from Ronan Gain. I love it. But the guys that are interesting to me and you'd mentioned Jonas Jonas Valanciunas that I love the way they've used him in a league where you see a lot of small ball especially in closing lineups. I mean, they used him as like a small ball killer. They'd put him out there and he'd just eat in the post. And coming from the Raptors where he was, they were trying to feature him as, as the, like the third star. And that never really worked out. I think he's very content to be taking his, his ISO post-ups against smaller guys. And I think it's interesting. You don't see this a lot in the league where, you have guys who are kind of rotated out of the starting lineup. And he was pretty content to do that. Some games he would start, some games he wouldn't. And I, that's what I love the most about this, this team. They're very much that, a team. You don't see a lot of individual mindsets here. And they're happy to rotate in and out. They're happy to start, come off the bench, play whatever role they're being asked to play. And that very much seems to stem from the leadership of John Morant, and I, and I think that goes very, very far in a league where you have a lot of player movement in a league where you have a lot of discontentment about not just salary, but playing time. And these guys are really going to grow together. I think another guy we don't talk about enough is Brandon Clark, the guy who everyone slept on in the draft, said he was too old, Said he wasn't going to do much besides rebound and dunk. And guess what? They essentially drafted Shane Battier. Immediate impact on the defensive end. Very, very efficient on the offensive end. And I guess the question is for him, and this is also a big factor for them, whether they're going to be more successful than they are now, is is this who he is? I mean, is he just going to be this sixth man, three and D, rebounder or can he add more to his game that's the question yeah like i mean i'm sure that's something he's looking at but at the same time a guy that can thrive as a 3 and d guy coming whether that coming off the bench or 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 getting some starting times as well i mean if he can just focus on being the very best at that I think that's that's something that's all he that's all he he needs to do for this Grizzlies team. I think that's it's not all about making himself the most well-rounded player. Of course, that's always the goal for any any player, especially in a team, a young team like this that are looking to to make their way in the league. But that's something I would look at is don't force himself into thinking he has to be the best all-round player there is on the team. If he can just excel at being a uh, efficient shooter and a quality defender, a good rebounder. That would be huge for this Memphis team. Yeah. I wonder if that'll impact his game at all. We'll, we'll see this year. Cause he's talked a lot in the off season about getting better at his ball handling and playmaking. And, you know, if he, if he can do more on the offensive end besides rim roll and spot up 
and he can you can trust him with a little more playmaking, especially off the bench. I mean, that's that's going to have a big impact. And I want to talk about another big real quick here before we jump on to the next team. But Jaron Jackson Jr. and pairing these two guys together. I mean, before we even talk about Jaron Jackson, to have Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. as your front court, that has to be like one of the best defending front courts in the league. I mean, these guys can not only de- defend the rim, they can defend the perimeter, they can switch on just about every position. And Jaron Jackson Jr., he's he's a unicorn. He's a real unicorn. I'm 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 not I'm not totally out on on KP, but I mean. This guy, watch out for him. If he's healthy this year, he's going to make a massive jump. I'm talking if he's healthy this year, he could be he could be an all-star and he can be an all-NBA player. What, what is it with all these unicorns that uh, <laughs> have their injury problems? What the hell? Why can't, why can't any of them just stay healthy and show us why they're called unicorns? <laughs> it, it's, tough to be, it's tough to be seven feet running around, jumping around and, and not getting injured. And that that's they also said that in the offseason he just came to training camp and he's two to three inches taller. I mean he was already six eleven. Is if he shows up and he's seven one, that's nuts. Yeah, he's pulling the old Jason Tatum on it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Tatum, the the seventeen year old best player in the league, who's also now seven five apparently. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, no, Jackson Jr. Of course, super talented guy. You. The, the one thing you're looking at is just just the healthy end. I mean, his offensive output last year was was huge. He shot 47% from the field, 39% from three point, average over 17 points, and he's as versatile as, as a defender as you could want. So I mean, yeah, I mean the sky's the limit for this guy. Just please let him stay healthy. Come on, show him a bone. We want to see the best out of this guy and that means he has to be healthy and everything you said was in 28 minutes game he's supremely efficient and it's not just the health too he's gonna get better every year because right now he's in foul trouble half the game he's still figuring out his spots on the offensive end but it's insane when you watch this guy and i I say unicorn because it was that same thing when you saw Chris Stapps pulling up from three, just right, right off the trail. When, when he's trailing from uh, from the other side of the court and you just see him pull up from the logo, you're like, what, what is this guy doing? Mm-hmm. And that it's it's that reaction that we don't have anymore for these guys. And you first see Jaron Jackson's form and it's like, he doesn't have like this, this set shot, it's just kind of this weird like catapult shot. And you said it by the numbers, he's, a really good shooter. And it's not just like he's spotting out John Rance, creating these shots for himself. I mean, he pulls up from three, he shoots off the dribble and they run sets for him. Like he's a guard. So it, the sky's the limit for what they can do on the offensive end with him. And I mean, I'll, I'll say it here first. I, I think that if he's, if he's healthy, if he barring injury, he has a legitimate shot at being an all-star this year. He could, he could be, he could make a big, big jump. And that's, I think, the biggest factor when we're talking over-under on that game, on the game uh, win total and playoff success is if he takes that leap that he most definitely can make. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I mean, 
Yeah, in order to succeed, you need your best players healthy. That's 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 just a sim- the simple word of it. So right now, I think we're both we're both confident of, of going under thirty six wins, but a healthy Jaron Jackson Jr. and that could very easily be thirty six or may- maybe a few more. Mm-hmm. So we talked about the Mavericks, talked about the Grizzlies here, and these are two teams that are just on the rise. They're ascending, um, in my opinion. There's a couple teams here that we're going to finish with that you're going to see might take a step back. That's just my thought. I want to see what you think about a team like the Trailblazers or the Jazz. Where do you want to start here? I mean, hey, let's 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 jump in. Let's jump in with the Trailblazers. They're kind of the the main ones that you look at as in terms of taking a step back after their uh, their struggles last year. Um, I go ahead. You go. You go. I mean, uh, last year they had the third best offensive rating and the fourth worst defensive record. So I mean, you can kind of see where the problems lie with the, with, with the team. But I mean, at the end of the day, 2018-19 they were in the conference finals, and then last season, obviously we had the bubble and everything, but they just about scraped into the playoffs. And it was it was just a huge drop off and a real disappointment after their great their great season the year before. The su- surprising thing is that they still have Lillard and McCollum together. I think there was a lot of talk last year that nineteen uh, twenty was going to be the last year of Lillard and McCollum, and they were going to try and trade CJ. But at this very moment, they're still together looking to run it back again and biggest thing for them is they got Nurkic back they got a healthy Yusuf Nurkic back for the mm-hmm. season and I think that's going to have a massive impact in a completely positive way on this Blazers team the Bosnian beast aka the Bosnian bruiser <laughs> I always forget how big this guy is it's 275 pounds at seven feet and the guy's a Mack truck like <laughs> Having him on the floor, not just defensively and not just offensively in the post, but like something that, I mean, no, we're not going to hop in the pod here and then talk about screens and pick setting. Like it's just not something we talk about, but dude, watching players just crumble on him off of screens. Like he is just the most decimating screen setter in the league. Second to maybe Steve Adams, but having him for CJ and Dame to come off of screens, play pick and roll with, that's going to have a massive impact on the offensive end too. Defensively, we already know what he can do. I mean, he just he just shuts it down in the paint. I think you talked about how bad they were defensively last year. Not only is that a product of their interior defense, and Hassan Whiteside is just it's just overrated numbers. I mean, his he's going to block shots, but their interior defense outside of him was just non-existent essentially that's going to change with that and not only having use of Nurkic but having Derek Jones Jr. and Robert Cummington I mean as team defenders at least I mean they're they're by no means elite on-ball defenders but having team defense from the wing there that's going to make a massive impact for their defensive rating CJ and Dame I mean they're never going to be plus defenders and they can hold their own enough then you insert Gary Trent in there too. Their defense is going to look a lot better, I think, next year. Yeah, I think Covington's kind of the big one. He's shown to be one of the 
one of the best help defenders in the league. And absolutely, you, you really hope that he can just have that that similar sort of impact with this Trailblazers team. That's why they've gone and got him. Like, he, look, you said help defense. I mean, he had two, he was averaging two and a, over two and a half blocks as a small forward slash power forward on whatever you want to call them on the Rockets. But like that, that was striking for me. He, his block rate was top five in the league last year. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 uh, that's not something you would have expected uh, before, before the season there. That's for sure. But yeah, they'll be hoping they get that. That's they're expecting. I think they, they, that, Trailblazers, they they knew, they knew what their problems were. I mean, they didn't go out and do anything too crazy, but they got some guys in that are going to just boost up that defensive rating. I mean, they're not looking to be the top defensive team in the league. They're 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 looking to kind of stay where they were in terms of offensive rating and just kind of be a middle of the road defensive rated team. And then that's that's where I think they they see their best opportunity to to have an impact. Um, in the new season, I mean, talking important players to watch. Just look, you you only got to look at two guys. You got to look at Dame and you got to look at CJ. And then we'll talk maybe a bit about Melo coming off the bench too. But I mean, oh, Lillard last season, I mean, he was still just outrageous. I mean, 46% from the field, 40% from three, eight assists a game, 30 points per game. I mean, this guy was still just as outrageous and I always find it crazy that people have find it so easy to say that Steph Curry is the best point guard in the league I mean uh-oh I'm, like, I'm just I, 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 I can understand why you say it but I'm kind of I'm like how is it so easy for you like Dame Lillard is an, un- an unbelievable player. I mean, I don't see how you can be just say it with such certainty that, I oh, don't know, Curry, he's the best. I mean, we missed Curry last year. So, yeah, why not? Dame Lillard heading into the new season. It could change very quickly, but heading into the new year, I'm calling Dame Lillard as the best point guard in the league. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. I am right there with you. I'm, I'm not – I go back and forth in my mind because – Steph Curry was doing this when healthy from day one. Dame Lillard is, has slowly grown into that over the last few years in terms of being um, just a limitless range shooter. I suspect he's been able to do this for a while, but I mean, Terry Stotts isn't going to let him launch from the logo. But we call him Logo Lillard for a reason. And he's just redefining what we mean by long range shots. He took over he took over almost a hundred shots over the past couple of seasons from 30 feet plus 30 he's taken most of them from around like 33 feet which is right around the logo and he's shooting last season 42 percent 42 percent that's most players aren't even shooting 42 percent at the rim like that is <laughs> insane and he does it with such like effortless stroke and he did it last year when he last season uh, when he took out the the thunder and he mm-hmm. did it again all last season and the reason it's not just oh that that's cool look at how he's shooting from that far it's not just the fact that he's pulling up it's now having serious gravity watch these games where the first few possessions he pulls up knocks down a three from there they have to defend him from half court 
and that just really, really pulls on these defenses. And then when you surround him with better talent in the front court, now that Nurkic is healthy, and we'll see what happens with Zach Collins, if number one, if he's healthy and if he can show anything this year. But that having a guy like Nurkic now where he can roll to the rim and if you can get Zach Collins to shoot the three bet and be healthy, that's going to be a really, really interesting dynamic to watch this year. Um, I, I'm not sure how, besides the shooting, I, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm ready to jump on the uh, Lillard is better than Curry bandwagon just yet, but I, I, th- I think it's about to close out once Curry gets back on the court. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that's probably true. But I'm just saying, after after missing Curry for la- the last season, I'm thinking Dame's got Dame's got that number one spot heading into heading into the new campaign. He still got he still got his number two guy. He got CJ there. I mean, another talented guy, another talented scorer. Can shoot the three. He's efficient in his shooting. I mean, it's just you think they should trade him though? Ah, uh, you think they should trade him though? Maybe, I mean, something I, I, I was looking at is I don't think this is something that that Houston would go for. But in terms of a trade, I was looking at yes. something, something, something like McCollum and Nurkic for for yeah. James Harden. That's something yeah. that I I was thinking about. All right, all right, you you all right, you you took it from me. Uh, I was <laughs> I was gonna say we've been thinking, 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 going across the league. Where's that dark horse team? Where's where's that Raptors for Kawhi deal? Like what what could happen that we don't expect? And I really think that, you know, there's obviously no noise behind it, but it just makes it could make a lot of sense if they could put together a package for James Harden. I I, I don't know how that would work with him and Lillard, but in terms of the Trailblazers, just trying to keep their hopes for contention alive. And they can, I think they can do it because look at the pieces they have on this team. Gary Trent Jr. is breaking out last year. And he's one of the, he's one of the guys who in the bubble just put his name on the map. And I think the bubble is such a cool spot for a lot of these players who are starting to emerge around the league to make their name known. And when you got LeBron James giving you high praise for the defense you play and the impact you make that then you're you're probably doing something right. I think. But you can put Jerry, Gary Trent Jr. there, who, I mean, he, oh man, I can't talk about enough about him. I was so impressed with, I mean, he's 21 years old, first of all. He spent a lot of time in the G League, but he had that 27-point game versus the Nuggets, 22 points against the Clippers, 30 points against OKC, and he's defending Jamal Murray. He's defending Paul George. He's defending Shea Gilders Alexander, he's defending the best players on those teams while doing it and while shooting 42% from three. Um, news is he's going to test free agency next year, but packaging him, a guy that someone can bet on, that would be big. And a couple of guys that they have on this team that they haven't really shown out yet that I don't think they want to give up on, and I'm not sure I would either, Anthony Simons. He's someone that's been sleeping on this roster that has shown, I mean, just immense flashes of otherworldly talent. They, I think they could put together a package. Simons, I mean, if you're still betting on, on Zach Collins a little bit, um, I really wish that you'd see a little bit more from, from a guy like, uh, uh, what, what's his face? Uh, I'm forgetting him. The, the, the steal the draft, Nasir Little. 
if he could show a little bit more on the offensive end, I think they have these young guys that they could bet on. If they get a little better in the season, first few months, that's a pretty solid trade package right there. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. And I think, yeah, the the, the dark horse team is kind of the, the, the team that looks more most likely to, if anyone's going to succeed, you kind of get the feeling that it's going to be some team out of the blue is going to succeed in making the trade for James Harden. And yeah, that like I mean, this this Portland team is just so interesting. I mean, they've got all the young pieces, they've got their established stars, and then you look at Carmelo Anthony, who they've got coming in off the bench now. Six man of the year. He yeah, he's being he's being forgotten about. I mean, this guy he's gonna contribute hugely off the bench. I mean, I'd still be expecting him coming in like he's going to be taking so many shots especially when he's coming in without CJ or Lillard on the court and I'd be expecting him still to be averaging near 15-20 points a game I mean I'm expecting Melo maybe and maybe in what may be his last year I'm expecting a huge year out of him coming off the bench he seems like he's he's kind of been told that this is how it's going to be and he seems like he's willing to commit to it, and that's kind of that's kind of the biggest thing that that you think. Uh, once he has it in his in his uh, in his head that he's like, okay, I'm coming off the bench. I'm just gonna have to be the bench best bench player that I can be. I think that's kind of a big thing for for Melo and the Blazers. Yeah, he said it. he's embracing it, and that's the biggest thing for him in this stage of his career. Like, if he can just accept his role as a scorer, as a rebounder, and doing it off the bench. And in spot of minutes with, I mean, you you could share the, the floor with him and and CJ and and Dame here and there in order to space the floor for them. But if he can be that guy, I mean, that's going to be huge for them to keep leads alive. And they have all three of them on the floor. I, I think they a lot of their benefit cancels out. But to have him scoring off the bench, you're right, man. That's going to be massive for them, especially down the stretch. Um, I I think that. I'm not going to overreact to his 21 points on eight of 13. I mean, he did have 23 minutes though. I mean, the way, the way he still scores, it's, it's crazy to me that, that he still has that, that same game watching how he just posts up and, and fades from mid range. It's just so 2005. I love it. <laughs> um, In terms of wins, they're looking, looking at 30, 38.2 wins this season. What, what, under, do, we, what do you think about that? Under. 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 And I think the biggest reason for me is their, their wings there. Um, I, I, gave, I gave them credit for team defense, and that's about as far as I'm going to go. But their wing rotation is really tough for the way this team is constructed. Um, Robert Covington is maybe one of the most overrated players in the league. I love his block rate. That's really cool what he did. He had like a really, really crazy stretch of three point shooting um, in the playoffs this last, last year, but we need to just stop calling him a three and D player. He's not a three point shooter. I mean, he's, he shot 31% from three last year on a Rockets team where you go there and you thrive from three. I mean, that revitalizes everyone. Ask Ben McElmore, ask Daniel house. They seem to get pretty good shots off and Covington could not get going. And I mean, maybe you could argue Terry Stotts can figure out how to get his shot back 
in, in how he was playing in Philly. Because, I mean, in Philly in 2019, this, that Robert Covington of 2019 was the best 3D player in the league. And he was shooting 40% from three back then. And he was, like, one of the best defensive uh, plus-minus players in the league. But what we know now is he's a good, good help defender, but he's also not – he's not – fast enough to keep up with with the Paul Georges the Jason Tatums he's more of a power guy and he can play good help defense for sure but he's not gonna stay toe-to-toe with with your with the other team's best offensive player so where do you put him he can't defend that CJ can't defend that Dame can't defend that so you automatically are going to have a mismatch going to the game one-on-one same thing with I mean Derek um, Derek Jones Jr. I mean, he's fun. I, I love watching him dunk the ball. I'm, I'll never get sick of that. But he's given you absolutely nothing on the offensive end. He's a 28% three-point shooter. You're going to have no spacing on the starting lineup right now. And that's going to be a problem. That's that's going to be a serious problem when you want to have your, your guards have enough space to score the ball. You're just not going to have that with this lineup as currently constructed, especially with Nurkic out there. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think they I I I'll agree with you. I say they'll go lower. I think only just though. I think they'll they'll hit around. I think they'll hit be able to hit around, at least what they got last year. They got thirty five wins last year. That's obviously including including the bubble, but I think they'll hit they'll hit around that mark. And I think they could they could get up around a bit closer to forty if if their stars have great years that they're capable of and. If Melo's got six man of the year, uh, a sixth man of the year in him, and probably as well if Collins can come back and have a big year, because we're still waiting to see, we're still waiting and to see on this guy, and now he's coming back from injury now as well, so you just kind of, he's still a bit up in the air, but yeah, I think uh, both pretty confident on, on an under thirty eight wins for for the Trailblazers, especially in the in the in the shortened season. So our our other team here, the Jazz, what are they at? I mean, just it's it's a bit of a weird one now because they've signed Donovan Mitchell to the new bumper deal, the five-year, $195 million. I think they've offered a similar sort of deal to Rudy Gobert, and apparently he says, no, I want the Supermax. He's on crack. That is, did, he actually thinks he's worth that. Apparently so. <laughs> Nothing, nothing absolutely confirmed yet, but it's seeming pretty likely that this is a, this is a, this is a true, a true, a true story, and he is, he is wanting that supermax. He believes he, he's worth it, but I think this might bring it back to what I think. Uh, just coming out of the bubble, or just before the bubble, there was a lot of talk that Mitchell was unhappy with Gobert, and he wanted Gobert gone. So I think they could maybe have to look back at that now. <laughs> I think you would be you'd be crazy to sign him to that because that is going to be untradeable, absolutely untradeable. You don't, Rudy. Don't get me wrong, man. This is a once in a lifetime type defender. He's just one of the best shot blockers in the league for quite some time, and he can do a lot of things that centers can't do on the defensive end. But even though he's elite at that, he doesn't do anything that you need from a modern center 
to pay him that much money. And if they pay him that money, they're going to be stuck with it. And that's not going to get it done when it comes to winning a championship with Donovan Mitchell. And when you got when you got guys like Donovan Mitchell, that's, that's the goal. You got your star player. You got to build around him. I love Rudy Gobert, but that's, they can't do that. There's no way. No, I think Donovan Mitchell, they made it clear he was their guy when they signed up to the new deal uh, early in the off season. But I mean, his guy in the 2020 playoffs, we kind of forget about him because Jazz ultimately lost against the Nuggets, but he was still shooting 53% from the field, 51% from three, 95% from the free throw line and averaging 36 points per game. I mean, this guy went off. He was he was unbelievable. And if he can even bring half of that form into the new season, he's going to absolutely dominate. It's going to be, he's going to be, the Jazz are going to be so fun to watch with Donovan Mitchell leading them. And if he can, obviously it's going to be, it's impossible to, uh, to replicate that, that form now uh, consistently over a whole season. But if he's even shooting close to 50% from the field, uh, manages to stay at either side of 40 in terms of three point, three point uh, percentage, and he's shooting around either side of 90 in the free throw percentage. I mean, he's going to, he's going to dominate and the jazz are going to have a big push because of that. I mean, their whole season, let's be real. It, it, it depends on what sort of jump Donovan Mitchell can take from his, uh, from his season in 1920, I think he he's their guy. And of course they've got good pieces, but Donovan Mitchell is, is the man. He is the difference maker for this Utah team symbol as. And he's doing this all with minimal shooting around him. Mm-hmm. Minimal shooting. Boyan was hurt for a lot of the, uh, the end of the season last year. And he is a huge, huge factor, huge factor. I mean, he's not going to get much better at anything else. But, I mean, just as a shooter, he's scoring 20 points a game. And he shot 41% from three on the volume that he had. So he was taking seven and a half shots per game. And he was shooting that high. That puts him in the same league as Steph Curry, Duncan Robinson, Ray Allen, Buddy Heald. He's a top four shooter in this league. And to have him on the court is so important for a guy like Donovan Mitchell who needs a space to create who needs to get in the paint and he's going to be so much better having him around. But if he's not, that's going to be tough to have a guy like Mike Conley next to him. That's also going to be tough because I don't see him getting any better this year or staying. Okay. He was okay. Last year that, that the amount of money that he's making to his production is one of the most disgusting contracts in the league, in my opinion. And even the D de- his defensive has fallen off too. I don't see where they go with with Conley still there. And Joe Ingles is very quickly falling off of a cliff. He's he's had a nice flash of being a solid player, but his shooting is gone, it seems. You don't have anyone stretching the floor in the front court. You're going to rely on Derek Favors to figure out how to shoot a three. The way this team is constructed right now just seems kind of wonky. And maybe they're not done, but I just don't see enough – just shooting but beyond Bogdanovich and <laughs> Royce O'Neal, sure. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. I mean, the 
Bojan is the big, is the big one. Getting him back is going to be huge. Just hope you hope he can be healthy for the year and uh, this year. I mean, like you look at their offseason moves. Kind of the main things was getting Mitchell signed to that new five year deal, basically keeping the roster together. And you think favors return, and I think that's gonna that's gonna have a positive impact. I'm not saying he's gonna do anything outrageously special on the court, but I think it's gonna have a positive impact on the team. And it's just kind of the question now. Can they spot a hole in the market that they can go exploit and they can make a move? Because yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't think that this this team is finished yet, and I think they do need at least another another piece or two to be able to take another step on from what they did last year. But one guy that I look at as someone who's not really going to get talked about is Jordan Clarkson. I think bringing him back was a was a really clever move from them. I think he this is just a guy. He's he's just a huge offensive asset, and coming off the bench, which he probably will be doing for the most part. I mean, this guy could easily be starting in in a number of teams, and have him coming off the bench, I think, is big for them. I mean, stats wise, forty six percent from the field, thirty seven percent from three. Averaging near 16 points. I mean, this guy has got a lot of talent. And if he can show up on the defensive end, he's never going to be an elite defender or anything like that now. It's just showing (laughs) some sort of anything on the defensive end just to make him look like someone that's not just going to be get passed by constantly. See, I I hate I hate when we do this though. We we do this. We, We we see a player and like there's they're good at this one thing, we're like Ah oh, well, well, what if they just show this? Jordan Clarkson's never going to play on any lick of a defense. <laughs> never been able to. That's not not happening. I I thought that was a bad signing. Really? That to be paying him that to be paying what is it fifty eight million? What to say? Yeah, something like that. I'm not sure. Yeah. He's he's not even that efficient of a shooter. He's not even a forty percent three point shooter. And he's shooting less than thirty eight. And I think that's that. You gotta hope you get a lot out of him off the bench, man. To, uh, and they were. I think the reason they paid that high is because like they expected a lot more from from Ingles. They didn't have anything from um, Bogdanovich, obviously, at the end there. And he was just kind of a he was kind of a band aid to their offense. And that's a really expensive band aid. You kind of want more than just a, a near sixty million dollar band aid, but. I, I I don't I don't know how far that takes them, but I mean you said it yourself, and I totally agree with you. They need to make a move, and they need to make it fast. They need to coalesce much faster, given the shortened season. And I think they're coming up on a trade deadline sometime in March. But I I want to end talking about the Jazz and the pod here by putting you in the shoes of the Jazz GM. All right, you got to fix this team. You said it yourself, you don't want to pay for Rudy Gobert. And I got a few calls for you. It's the Atlanta Hawks, and they want to send you Clint Capella, DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter, and a first-round pick for Rudy Gobert, Ed Davis, and maybe a give, give me a second-rounder or protect a first-round pick. What do you say? Yes. <laughs> See, that's easy, right? That's easy. That's, that's an easy decision. I agree with that. So 
there's another one I like, and I'm not sure if uh, there will be some Boston fans who might not like this, but Boston's calling you. Danny Ainge, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, Grant Williams, Romeo Langford. Do you say yes? No. 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 All right, so you – walk me through that. Why? I just think if 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 you're going to be trading Rudy away, you got to get in another big. Obviously, it's going to be it'd be impossible, near impossible to get one at the same level. But if you're getting someone back in like Capella, he adds very important defense, and he can be a huge asset in terms of what way they they uh, put together the offense. And I think. Obviously, those are obviously they be big pieces to get from 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 Boston, but I think that they wouldn't be getting enough for for uh, for losing Rudy. Uh, that that would just be the main, my main thinking there. Yeah, but imagine just imagine that Mark, Marcus Smart and Donovan Mitchell on the same court together. Robert Williams, you're getting the Time Lord himself. <laughs> But I agree. I think I think Atlanta has a better package here, and I think that's interesting to me. I I think that that the depth that Atlanta has, if they added a guy like Rudy Gobert, I mean, God, I, I hope I hope for everyone else in the Eastern Conference they don't keep getting better. But here's here's another one: Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Jared Allen, and first round pick for Rudy Gobert and money. Yes, maybe. yes. I say yes to that. Yeah, I like that. Yes I like them, that package. Yes to Atlanta. Huh? You say yes to them or you say yes to Atlanta? Ooh. Um a pro Oh, that's a tough one now. Get your, get your shooter. Just imagine you got you got Joe Harris and Boyan around Donovan Mitchell. Spencer Dinwiddie right now is a much better point guard than Conley. Mm. Yeah, you probably you probably would go for, for the Nets package there, because I think Allen as well is still a young guy and he's capable of developing into a more well-rounded player. So yeah, you probably if it's between the the, the Hawks and the and the Nets there, I'm pro- probably going with the Nets just for for the quality of shooting and the fact that you're getting a big who's still capable of developing into something more than he is at the moment. Let's see. I want to I want to do one last one here and <laughs> <laughs> I I like this one a lot cuz this this would be from my guy Maxi Kleber. Dorian Finney-Smith, all the first-round picks, and throw in Josh Richardson. Um, probably no. Well, I mean, you if that was your only offer and you kind of were looking to get rid of Rudy, maybe you would say yes, but I think... More the more reason I'd be surprised by it. I think it would be a silly move from uh, from Dallas to make to to get to give that up. Rudy Gobert, I don't know. Rudy Gobert and Chris Stapps, no no one's getting in the paint on that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that would be an interesting one. That that would be one way you'd you'd like. Okay, give 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 me give me the weekend to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and this is, this is the last one I'll I'll do here because I thought this would be interesting for for a team that is is trying to stay relevant. Sacramento Kings call you up and they want to send you Marvin Bagley, Rashawn Holmes, Corey Joseph, and Tyrese Taliburton. 
for Rudy Gobert. Hmm. Depends on how much you like Tyrese. Yeah, that's kind of that's 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 the, that's the thing that that's going off in my head now. Um, I'd say it's a good offer, but being totally honest, I probably would still be going for the Nets over that deal. I think the Nets, have, and this has been rumored. I I agree with you, and I was expecting you to say that that deal makes sense for both teams to have Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, and Jared Allen added to this Jazz team, that's huge. And for the Jazz to not pay Rudy Gobert, that's probably the biggest thing, to win-win. And then you're just adding the best defensive center in the league to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That's a wrap. <laughs> we that's can call it there. But final point on this, Jazz, win total. 40.8 is the projection. What do we think? Under. I'll take under. the under. And I think that's that's unless they make a trade. We, we talked about it ad nauseum, but this this team as currently constructed needs a trade for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think if they if they can make smart moves, I think they could hit it, especially with a big year out of, uh, out of Donovan Mitchell. But it's just going to be tough with the fact that the rest of the Western Conference is is developing around them. So they're gonna they're gonna be struggling to to hit that mark, especially in the in the in this shortened season. Yeah. So we said we stay disciplined and we do it in 50 minutes. Alas we did not. But we covered possible trades for Rudy Gobert and I think that's that's worth it right now. But we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cut it here and we're gonna cover hopefully the rest of the Western Conference in our next episode, we're going to talk about all the preseason uh, highlights that we wanted to uh, overreact to, didn't have time to today. Um, I mean, the Utah Jazz are 4-0 in the preseason, so maybe we're uh, not, not looking at this correctly. But anyways, thanks for hopping on today, man. And we'll be catching you next time on our next episode of Coast to Coast. Yeah, man, can't wait. See ya. joining us on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment